Father in heaven, we thank you that you have promised that where two or three are gathered, you are in our midst. And Lord, we thank you that we can worship you freely. And Father, I pray that we may hear your voice speaking to us today. Please speak through me, hide me behind the cross, and Lord, we ask that your sheep may be fed and that your, your will and your work may be done and accomplished in and through us. Please, Father, let us not be a hindrance to your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a, a three-part series on forgiveness starting today and then next Sabbath and then uh, on the, the um, 19th of July. And it's on forgiveness. And our focus for prayer and fasting is forgiveness and healing. And I want you to notice that because they go very um, closely together, forgiveness and healing. And in our scripture, we are given to understand by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in no uncertain terms that if we do not forgive, we cannot be forgiven by God. So number one, and uh, you'll see it in the bulletin, is our need for forgiveness. And uh, I will be talking next Sabbath about freedom in forgiveness. And then on the 19th of July, I'll be talking about joy in forgiveness. So I, I pray that you would pray along with me and that we in these next few weeks would focus our attention on what God is saying because so often as Christians, it's easy for us to overlook the most basic um, principles of our faith. <clears throat> so I came across this book and um, I think this was given to me by a church member. And um, you know how it is when somebody gives you a book, right? Uh, you say thank you and you look at it and probably put it on the shelf and it collects dust for a little while. Well, I actually opened this book up recently, and it's entitled, Forgive to Live. Forgive to what? Forgive to live. And that caught my attention because, you know, I love God's Word, and I love the power of God's Word, and I love the concepts that we can overcome our difficulties on this earth just by our focus and on the Word of God giving us, if you like, the anchor in the storms of life. Amen? And so forgive to live, um, how forgiveness can save your life by Dr. Dick uh, Tibbetts uh, was very eye-catching for me. And uh, I, I want just to share with you some of his um, thoughts, and uh, I'll do that briefly as we go throughout the message here. He um, is interested in forgiveness as an approach to physical healing. The concept of people learning how to forgive so that they can improve their health. And he, being a doctor, um, researched into this. And this is quite an amazing concept. Forgiveness, uh, the author defines, um, will free you from past hurts. Thus allowing you to have the energy and focus to pursue your dreams. And that sounded quite um, appealing, wouldn't you say? Wouldn't you say? <laughs> Amen. And so, if you are being flooded with strong emotions, 
um, in this realm of, of forgiveness or being hurt by others. You are reliving your grievance story and you haven't forgiven. So this topic of forgiveness is necessary for me and it's necessary for you, friends. And so the good news is that you can reframe, you can look at your past hurts in a new way, in a way that will be um, more palatable and more healthy for you. There are three great reasons for us to pursue this topic of forgiveness. It's important to remember that if you ignore pain, it will not what? If we ignore pain, it won't go away, number one. So in one way or another, you're going to have to deal with it. This topic takes you through that process. Number two, um, for once, this topic is really about you and me and what you and I can actually do in this process of forgiveness so that we can reap the benefits. When you and I forgive, you and I become the victors. We triumph when we forgive. It's not about getting uh, your offender back, but about releasing yourself from the stronghold of pain and the desire for revenge. You know how often people can go, or how long sometimes people can go in grieving and in sadness and in resentment and anger, not just for a little while, but for many years, not allowing the blessings of forgiveness to be um, theirs. And thirdly, this topic will um, show us practical ways that we can take to forgive and gain a broader perspective on uh, the way we look at life. Now, Les, this is a, a, a true story. Les was um, shaken as the doctor spoke to him the following words. If you don't do something right away, you are going to die. As he heard these words, you're going to die, his thoughts raced back to his father who had died at age 47 from a heart disease. He grimly noted his own blood pressure already measuring an alarming 154 over 102. Rush, 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 and job situations had brought him to this point. Fortunately, his physician had an idea. The doctor said to him, would you be willing to take part in a study that teaches participants who suffer from high blood pressure to a new way of managing your disease? He asked Les, and he said, yes, I've got nothing to lose. And so he entered into a, a, a program of treatment of high blood pressure through the medium of forgiveness. Now, some of you may be wondering, well, I've tried forgiveness before and it hasn't worked. By the way, uh, Les did go in through this program and he lowered his blood pressure to 120 over 80 and uh, his anger scores fell way below um, the norm and he was able to deal with life and its problems a lot more uh, successfully. Some may be feeling that I, I forgive but nothing seems to happen. Well, maybe we may misunderstand what forgiveness is. And so it might be good for us to just look briefly at what forgiveness is not. Have you ever heard of the phrase, um, we need to forgive and forget? Have you heard that? Hands up. Forgive and forget. Now really, this is something actually quite ir irrealistic. 
it's not possible or even healthy for us to um, forget certain things. Some people believe that if you have not been able to forget, then it's because you haven't forgiven. And I would suggest, um, with the help of this author, that that's not the case. The fact is, when something is important to you, you will remember it. Forgiveness does not wipe away your memory, nor is it a delete key for reality. The test of genuine forgiveness is not whether you remember the event in question, but how you remember it. So that's number one. Forgiveness is not necessarily forgetting. Forgiveness does not imply that the act that you have suffered is okay. To forgive does not mean we're saying, it's all right, here's, here's my back, keep on striking me. Keep on using me as a, as a, a doormat. No. Can a wrong committed ever be right? Of course not. It cannot. So that's number two. Forgiveness does not imply that things are okay. Forgiveness, forgive and make up. Um, forgiving does not always um, mean that there is going to be reconciliation between you and the person um, that is involved. But you can forgive and be freed from um, the burdens of unforgiveness. So let us look at a few definitions of what forgiveness is. And I, I would like to share a few with you. Forgiveness is the feeling of peace that emerges as you take your hurt less personally. And take responsibility for how you feel. And become a hero instead of a victim in the story you tell. Forgiveness means that even though you are wounded, you choose to hurt, you choose to hurt and suffer less. That was um, by Fred Luskin. Another definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is giving up my right to hurt you for, for hurting me. That's by an unknown author. Another definition. Our friends are those who know their own faults well enough to forgive ours. That was by Moulton Farnham. Another one by Oscar Wilde. Always forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them so much. And then one by George Herbert says, He who cannot forgive others breaks down the bridge over which he himself must travel one day. And you know, another one, an unknown author says, Forgiveness can also be considered as a selfish act because of all the benefits received by the one who forgives. But here's a definition that I'd like to, us to focus on. Forgiveness is the process of reframing one's anger and hurt from the past with the goal of recovering one's peace in the present and revitalizing one's purpose and hopes for the future. Have, have you ever wondered why in situations between individuals and people um, that there is such a, a high level of emotion? And this high level of emotion is something that actually seems to inhibit your ability to function. Have you ever heard of somebody saying, I can't bear the sight of this person. I can't bear the individual to even see them because it sets my emotions going. Friends, these things are keeping people, thousands, yes, millions, chained. 
and we need to learn the power of forgiveness and that we need to forgive. You know that forgiving can actually increase your, your health? Can help you deal with anger, high blood pressure? Forgiveness is not some lofty ideal only to be imagined but never reached. Instead, forgiveness is a very effective and practical way of dealing with life's disappointments. Forgiveness is a learned skill that with practice you can effectively use. And so we come back to the, to the words of Jesus, recorded in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And he, he recites, he gives this prayer, and he says that we should forgive. He says, forgive us our debts. This is how we should pray. Forgive us our debts. How? As we forgive others. Now here we find a, a, a point that Jesus is making that is really saying, if we do not forgive others, we will not be forgiven ourselves. It is imperative to forgive. It is not an option. It's a Christian duty. And then we can reap all the benefits. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's interesting that he follows on to um, another idea, so it may seem. It may seem that it's an idea not related to what he's just said before, but I'd like to suggest to you it is very closely linked to what he has said before. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. If we are in an unforgiving mode, we are liable to fall into temptation. Can you see that? We are open to the attacks of the enemy because an unforgiving spirit is to be ungodly. And if we are being ungodly, then we are, are in danger of assuming the characteristics of our enemy. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I'd like to suggest here uh, this morning that we have evil within us. It's not so much the evil outside of us that Jesus wants us to um, realize that we have to battle with. It's the evil that is within us. I do not feel like forgiving. You do not feel naturally like forgiving. When I get hurt, when you get hurt, it is not a natural response. And so to avoid us entering into temptation, we must forgive. It is a divine imperative so that we will not be taken captive by the enemy. And so often we feel, but this person has done me wrong. I am justified in going over these emotions and telling other people, and getting them to be on my side, and spreading the event far and wide. Jesus says, no, we must forgive if we want to be forgiven. And in fact, this is so serious that our salvation becomes in question, or comes into question, if we do not forgive. Well, friends, I, I hope that this morning we can uh, tap into to the, the power of forgiveness that comes from God so that we can be freed, amen, from the negative consequences. For thine is the power. Where do we get the power from? Thine is the power and the kingdom, the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And Jesus reemphasizes it and says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If, 
conditional. If we forgive, we will be forgiven by a heavenly Father. But if you forgive not, verse 15, men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now question, if we do not have our trespasses forgiven, what happens to our trespasses and our sins? We must bear them. If we are not forgiven, we are not saved. Is that clear? Is that fair? That's what Jesus is teaching. We must forgive. It is not just a privilege. It's an imperative, a divine command. But it's hard, isn't it? But let me tell you, let me suggest to you this morning that with exercise, it can become easy. And it can be something that you will actually adopt rather than bearing grudges and being angry and so on. You know, I, I was reading through, um, you know, because when, when there's animosity and differences between people, there's anger and, and there's high emotions. And, and uh, I, I was just reading, I just happened to, to read chapter 15, 16, and 17 of Proverbs. I'd encourage you encourage you to read it. Proverbs is, is so full of amazing wisdom and that wisdom is so powerful that when you read it, it actually seems to come into you and change you as you read it. And I'll, and I'll just read um, verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 15 and to, to see one of the reasons why we should, we should be forgiving. Look at this. A soft answer. A soft what? A soft answer Turns away what? Turns away wrath. And what? A soft answer. Turns away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. Have you ever had somebody come at you with all guns blazing? They're angry at you. Have you ever had that happen? Don't raise your hand. What is your natural response? What starts to happen to your heartbeat? What starts to happen to your breathing? What kind of mode do you go in? You go into adrenaline mode. You go into a, a fight or flight mode. But forgiveness can short circuit all of these things that the devil tries to provoke us and prod us into so that there is war. Even between those that we love. And let's face it. When we are hurt by the ones that we love the most, that's the hardest to bear, isn't it? But this is where... We need to learn these principles. And I encourage you to, to read. And, and then at the end of chapter 16, listen to this, of Proverbs 32, verse 32. He that is slow to anger. You know, sometimes people think it's great to outwit the other person and, and argue to the point that, you know, you win the argument and, and put them in their place. Listen to this. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. If you have control over your temper by the grace of God, it's better than a warrior that defeats a whole city. Amen? It takes more power to have self-control than it does to go and defeat an army. The word of God tells us. So yes, to forgive truly is divine. It's a divine attribute. But let me move on. Let me share with you then 10 principles of forgiveness. Accept that life is not fair. You know, who said life has to be fair and everybody has to pray, play by your rules? Life is not fair and accept it. And others may not be 
be playing by the same set of rules that you do. Number two, stop blaming others for your circumstances and your feelings. Number three, understand that you cannot change the person who hurt you. You can only change the way you feel about it. And in fact, you will only be hurt if you decide you will be hurt. If you decide I will not be hurt, then you will not be hurt. This is the power of forgiveness. Acknowledge the anger and hurt that some unpleasant or um, harmful event has or is causing you. You can acknowledge it. But now, number five, reframe your story of hurt, your grievance story, by placing the hurtful events in a broader con context than your current point of view. In other words, step back and look at the bigger picture. You know, at, at funerals, it's of, often a time for us to take stock and say, why did I allow this, these years to go by and not talk to my sister or to my brother? It's often at funerals that we realize how, how puny and futile and, and, and um, really pointless these things are. Number six, recognize that you can only make the choice to forgive. Number seven, shift your view of the offender by humbly choosing to empathize with his or her life situation. If you start looking at the individual, somebody for whom Jesus Christ died, rather than by cataloging and registering the hurt that they seem to be throwing at you, throw that aside, divert it by the power of God, and look at the individual and sympathize, put yourself in their shoes. Maybe you could understand the reason why they are short-tempered or, or they, they've said this hurtful thing or, or done that, that thoughtless act and, and realize that maybe they may be going through some hurt that needs some help from you. Number eight, choose to move from discontent toward contentment. Understand, number nine, that forgiveness will, could take time and cannot be rushed. But number 10, take responsibility for your life and your future. I know it's hard. And so I want to share with you a parable. It's a parable about Dura. Dura it could be a name for a hard place. You ever heard of a rock and a hard place? Well, this is a parable about a place called Dura. Countless times each day, people could be heard in this city to be saying, life is hard in Dura. And they would lament the, the, town, the town people would lament this for good reason. Through the years, Dura had become literally a very hard place to live. Rocks covered the landscape everywhere, making it impossible to grow flowers or to jog in the park. Rocks lay everywhere the eye would go. How did this come to be? Well, the story goes that an evil sorcerer cast a powerful spell on that t town, and the spell went something like this. Through your eyes, you will not see a life of joy or hope or glee. Through your mouths, where curses flock, every angry word shall turn into a rock. So the problem with this city was that every angry word turned into a rock. It turned into a stone. Where whenever someone spoke an unkind or hurtful word, it instantly became a hot rock. Not just an ordinary rock, but a hot one. So everyone in Jura, like everyone in Jura, Cass, too often had been the victim of unkind and hurtful word. This is the man Cass. He lived in Jura. Rocks of all sizes and shapes had pelted him. And also, he, like everyone else in Jura, um, Cass never felt content to merely watch those rocks fall to the ground. How could he? 
He had hurt too much when they had struck him. That's why Cass developed the habit of keeping a rock or two in his hands. Remember, those rocks were hot. So he kept them in his hands. If the occasion presented itself, he could throw one back at the person who had caused him pain. However ugly that strategy might sound, no one ever confronted Cass about his behavior because everyone in Jura did the very same thing. They all had the same problem. Who's that calling? Don't lose the thread here. They all had the same view of that experience and holding that hot rock blistered their hands. But they believed that the pain would be worth it once they got the opportunity someday to get their own back and throw a rock at someone who had hurt them. When the rock began to cool down, as it always did, the people of Jura would look to the center of town where there was an enormous furnace that always was burning, and it was called the furnace of grievance. And there people would come and talk about their grievances, and the rocks would heat up again. And so they would take their hot rocks until they were fiery red, and as they would warm up, they told each other their sorrowful tales. It's not my fault that my hands are being blistered and getting burnt, they would say to each other. It's their fault. They threw the first rock. I'm just holding it so that someday I can throw it back. One day, however, Cass and the other people of Jura got the shock of their lives when a robust, cheerful man with compassion in his eyes came striding into the town declaring that none of the townspeople had to live in misery any longer. Hallelujah. Amen. You think they would say. They said, who is this weirdo coming into town? Why is he so happy? But he comes and he says, my name is Salah, he announced. And I want you to know that you can be free of those rocks you carry around wherever you go. What you need is Forgiveness. You don't have to keep living like you have been. Some of the townspeople sneered while others gasped and stared blankly ahead. Could there really be a better life? Impossible, they thought. Salah ignored the jeers and continued. Simply put, forgiveness, or simply put, sorry, forgiveness is learning how to drop your rock. You don't have to collect them. You don't have to carry them, be burned by them, by the heat, or throw them at anybody. In fact, I guarantee that if you drop them, your whole life will improve. Your hands will start to heal. And you'll have the time and the energy to do the fun things that you've always wanted to do. But believe that you could never do them. Can it be that simple? Cass thought. How could it possibly work? He had to speak out. Now, hold on a minute, mister, Cass began. You mean to tell me that if someone throws a rock at me, I can't throw it back? That's not fair. Why should I let the other go off and let him off the hook? He needs to be punished. He needs to be punished. With that, Cass spun on his heels and hastily hustled away as fast as he could from Salah to 
his too-good-to-be-true words. In his headlong retreat, however, Cass failed to notice that a few in the crowd had already decided to give Salah's counsel a try. They started dropping the rocks and immediately noticed something truly remarkable. The scars in their hands caused by carrying those hot rocks for so many years began to heal. These people had always worried about that forgiving would let the other offenders off the hook. But they learned that dropping their rocks actually made their own lives better. Soon the people of Jura were throwing fewer rocks. So fewer rocks came hurling back at them. In fact, in some yards, the rocks were so scarce that flowers began to grow and break through the newly exposed ground. Who would have believed that life's burdens could be so easily moved by simply dropping the rock? You know, it's interesting. Jesus tells us that we must forgive. We have to learn to drop these rocks. But we have a reason to forgive. We have an example of forgiveness, don't we? And this is where we go to another parable, the same chapter, uh, the same book in Matthew chapter 18. And you know, so often we know about Matthew chapter 18 as, as you know, he didn't use Matthew 18. And what they refer to is, oh, we didn't go to somebody and share our grievance or, or explain the grievance to the individual personally. We started uh, sharing it with somebody else. You know, there's so much more in Matthew 18 than that. There's the other promise that says, where two or three are gathered, I am there in their name. And if you ask in my name, and if you ask anything, I will do it. And then there's the parable of the king who has a servant at the end of Matthew 18, who has a servant who owes him 10,000 denarii. And we could imagine this to be um, 10,000 or let, let's say $10 million. And he, he's drawing people, making people come to account. And this servant comes to him and says, Master, please forgive me. I will give me time and I will pay everything back. And so the master has pity on him and forgives him. And not there, shortly thereafter, he goes out and he finds somebody who owes him a millionth of what he owed the king. And he says, you give me what you owe me. Pay it back or I'll send you to prison. And then he says, please, please have mercy on me and, and I will pay it back. And he would not. And he threw him in prison. And the onlookers saw this, the way this servant had treated somebody who, who owed him such a puny amount, went to the king and told the king, and the king said, because you have not forgiven this man, now I will throw you into prison. The parable is clear. The king is Jesus and, and we uh, are, are the servants. We have been forgiven a debt that we can never pay back. Amen? And this is where it comes into play. If we do not forgive others, how can we Accept the forgiveness of God. Now, God offers us his forgiveness. That is a debt that we can never repay. Notice that the man said, I will repay it. He wasn't even thinking straight. The, the, the debt represents the sins of the whole world. The sins that we have ever committed. Jesus forgives us. And we don't forgive. How often shall I forgive, said Peter. And that's why Jesus told 
the parable, um, shall I forgive seven times? You see, the Pharisees had in mind that it was a good thing to forgive somebody up to three times, but after that third time, it's three strikes and you're out. So Peter thought he was going a little bit more and being generous. How much shall I forgive? How much shall we forgive? Jesus says that if we do not forgive, we will not be forgiven. How much must we forgive? So that question is answered. So, so Peter very um, nobly thought, well, how about seven times, Jesus? Would that be enough? And then, you know, when after the seventh time, it's no more forgiveness. What did Jesus say? No, and I say unto you, 70, 70 times seven, 490. If somebody, um, if somebody grieves you or, or if somebody hurts you, we are to forgive. If we want God to forgive us. And you know that that, that, that number was symbolic. Well, it wasn't symbolic, it was prophetic of the forgiveness, the years, the number of years that God was forgiving the children of Israel. Can you see how we can have no other option but to forgive? And then just one, one last thought. Do you remember Jesus on the cross? Do you remember when Jesus has those nails, those nails put on he, Jesus is being pinned to the cross by professional torturers, by, by uh, soldiers that know where to place that spike so that it cannot be uh, wriggled away. It will hold the victim there. And the, the trouble with, with that horrible death is that you don't die right away. It's a slow death to be crucified. But what did Jesus say? to those that were driving the nails through his wrists and through his feet, he said, Father, forgive them. Why? They don't know what they are doing. Friends, so often when we do not forgive, we become bitter, we become angry, we don't know what we're doing, we're not thinking straight. We must forgive because of Jesus. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. But friends, we have a great need to forgive. And it's my prayer that as we look at this amazing gift, that we will be blessed, that we will see, sense the freedom, and I'll be talking next Sabbath, the freedom that we can have as we forgive. You know, we don't need to take revenge. What, did, what does the Word of God tell us? If anybody is to take revenge, who's going to take revenge? God. And what about if in the meantime, we actually, by um, extending forgiveness, are part of the saving grace of Jesus towards that individual? Oh, friends, it's a, it's a lofty thing. It's a high calling. But I don't know about you, but I think there's a powerful load of motivation for us to forgive because of what Jesus has done. And if we forgive others, we can expect to be forgiven as well. How many of you here today want to ask for God's power and God's strength for you to forgive even when forgiveness is not asked of you? How many? Brothers and sisters, I pray. I pray that we, as we go forward, may, as we apply this most practical of, of um, Christian principles, may begin to 
to receive the power of God. You know, so often we hear that uh, people stay away or they, they don't um, get on with somebody and, and, they, and, and, and it's because of, of um, hypocrisy and people not living up to the standard of Christianity that um, is claimed. Friends, let us stop. Let us stop keeping ourselves in prison. You know, I, I think in closing this moment, I will just share with you a story I heard. How many of you have heard of the Vietnam War? You know the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C.? It's got all the names of everybody that was ever um, lost their life in, in the war there. And two veterans come at uh, a time to commemorate uh, the, the end of the war. And they happen to be two prisoners of wars in the Hanoi Hilton Hotel, which was a horrible, horrible place where they were incarcerated and um, tortured. And so in that, that moment of silence, as they're both looking at the walls and looking at the names, and one veteran turns to the other and says, have you forgiven them for what they did to you? And the other one turns back and he says, how can I forgive them? I will never forgive them for what they did to us and our comrades. So the other one just looked over to him and said, then they've still got you in prison. To forgive is to not only set the other person free, but it's to set yourself free. This is the power of God. No human being can do it. It's not logical. It defies logic. But praise God that it is through forgiveness that God intends to save the world. How about you, brothers and sisters? Do you want to be a part of that powerful act of God? Let us do it. Let us pray for strength to do it. Let us come together. Let us forgive one another. If somebody hurts you, don't even take the hurt. In the name of Jesus, forgive them. And you will see that Jesus can work mightily. God cannot work in a church where people hold grudges against each other. And so it's time to finish. It's time to forgive. It's time to allow Jesus to work so that his spirit can be poured out. Oh, friends, this is a powerful topic. You know what? You won't only just feel better. You'll be healthier. You'll live life to the full. The flowers will start looking beautiful again. You'll feel more energy. And your mind will be improved. You'll have better memory. All of these things are achievable through the power of forgiveness. May God bless us is my prayer as we go forward in the name of Jesus. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.